Hello, and welcome to what's officially my 40th podcast release. Where does the time go? Uh, yeah, 40th uh, release, and this all started, oh, I don't know, about 10 years ago. Well, the good news is 40 is quite an auspicious number, and it does coincide with a few other anniversaries going on. Uh, namely, last year we had the D&D BX release anniversary, and this year it's called a Cthulhu's uh, turn, and it's just had a new starter box reissued uh, to you know, help celebrate players having fun whilst their PCs slowly go mad. Uh, now, if we start with the older game, uh, BX was basically my first taste of role-playing, and arguably, and not totally controversially, it's possibly the best version of D&D ever made. Uh, it looked really good. It was pretty well laid out. Um, it was definitely a decent price, and it came with an adventure and a dice. Fantastic artwork. Uh, in fact, so good I pinched a load of it for my own D&D hack. And most importantly of all, as a starter game, it, it introduced players and got them going and helped drive the craze, uh, which lasted you know quite a long time into the late 80s. It also happens to be such a good version of the game that a lot of OSR clones uh, are derived from it. And uh, in fact, looking back now, I'm pretty sure when I made the transition to AD&D, like everyone else, you know, going to the advanced version, not the kiddie basic version, we actually just played BX, uh, but we just used the hardbacks for first edition. So yeah, got a lot of love for D&D. And... Um, yeah, in fact, I'm so enamoured by it that um, there's some really good print-on-demand copies of the B and X modules uh, available on DriveThruRPG. So I've pretty much ordered all the ones I can. Uh, I've also ordered the Gazettas, which I think transition between BX and the Beckme variant of Basic D&D. And of course, uh, having talked about OSR, it'd be remiss of me not to point out that I'm really excited uh, that the Old School Essentials box set looks really good and I should be having a copy on its way to me. And it's a, a really good restatement of the BX rule set. So if you don't want to just rely on a PDF and you want a physical product, probably Old School Essentials is the best if you want a, a facsimile of the original. Uh, if you want something a bit cheaper, a bit easier to get hold of and not so close, then uh, Basic Fantasy Roleplaying game's also a good choice. Now, if I ever get my AD&D video sorted, uh, a little bit scared of approaching that one, um, then I probably will return at some stage to BX and look at the support it got and, for example, all the print-on-demand modules and everything. I do think it's quite ironic that BX was sort of created to fob off Dave Arnson and and deal with the problem of him trying to get royalties off TSR and of course being an unexpected huge hit uh, we ended up with two product lines the basic and the advanced and um, the good news is despite TSR's weird politics um, we all got to benefit from a fabulous product and uh, I'm not sure I would have had such a passion for gaming in particular role playing if it hadn't been for that 1981 magenta box set that landed on my lap for my birthday and set off my big passion for role-playing games. Now one of the other early games, and I already mentioned it, um, is called a Cthulhu. Now it's a game that's endured through the ages and also been a long-term love of mine and I've enjoyed many really good games of it over the years and uh, it's been receiving a lot of love from Chaosium and uh, it's had a new box set just reissued which as far as I can tell, it's just a slightly corrected version of the uh, starter set they 
released a year or two ago. Maybe it was a bit longer than that, actually. Anyway, um, it looks really good, slightly better quality than the previous one with amazing art. However, uh, although I'm quite excited about seeing that, I'm much more excited about the original edition being re-released as part of a Kickstarter. Now, unfortunately, I couldn't back the Kickstarter, so I'm looking forward to when they're going to make um, some copies available and definitely looking to snag that. And this feeds into an idea of mine, looking back, that most role-playing games, I think, hit gold with their first edition or possibly their second edition. Once you get to third edition or, or later, I find I become less enamoured with some of these games. They, they tend to get overly polished and, and, you know, there's too much corporate interference often, so to speak. Um, so, as I say, whilst the, the new set does appeal, I, I am more excited by the original uh, re-release. And also, of course, it's got great support with the prop set from HPLHS, so the HPL Historic Society and yeah that that looks really sexy and it's hard to resist buying that but at the moment I have. Now having said that editions don't always work for me one of the great things about Call of Cthulhu actually is that the game's not actually changed that much over the editions and it's actually done a pretty good job at transitioning from first to I believe it's seventh edition now. And it's got really good both forward and backwards compatibility for both the adventures and the rule books. So whilst it's not 100% perfect, you do need to make some minor adjustments. It's actually very interversion compatible and possibly more so than even D&D, which is often uh, quite good at, you know, current and late older versions working with each other. So with an eye on this anniversary of Call of Cthulhu, I, I was been hunting desperately for where my copy had got to and I've managed to dig it out. And, uh, yeah, it's really spurred me on to thinking about, do I want to run Delta Green or the classic era? Um, you know, whatever I do end up doing, I'm definitely going to pick up some skills from more modern games that have pointed out some of the, the flaws of Call of Cthulhu and Adventures, uh, Trail of Cthulhu being one in mind in particular, where it helps get around some of the um, typical barriers to get in a good session in an investigative adventure game. So, Call of Cthulhu, superb game, highly recommended, part of my Holy Trinity, just to remind you, D&D, Traveller, Call of Cthulhu, three core fundamental games in my opinion. So, how to get it playing again? Well, this is going to be tricky. My last big campaign group sort of broke up when I had to move away, and although I've had the odd little one-shot, I've been having trouble getting a, a group together to commit to a campaign, so... It's, you know, who do I want to go for and what era? So the 20 setting, classic, your go-to. But I also see the appeal of the Roman, Gaslight and modern eras. And I think online is possibly the way. And, and 20s, yeah, pretty safe bet. But Delta Green is tempting. Um, particularly because, for example, I've recently picked up Varl, a modern um, setting game um, for um, adventure, I should say, for Call of Cthulhu. And I'm hoping it might actually get a print-on-demand option because it's sold really well. And I'm hoping to get to play in it and then run it. That, that's my plan. Uh, but also I'm very tempted by Beyond the Mountains of Madness. I picked it up when it first came out and I did a lot of prep for it but never actually got to run it. And it's a bit of a monster. It has been reissued so you can pick it up. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what they've changed between the two versions. Not much, I believe. Now the only thing I didn't like, my recollection of it, is that whilst the ending is decent, 
it was not quite as epic as I hoped it would be. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Would I want to tweak the ending? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, really good. Definitely worth a look. So, Call of Cthulhu. It's really good. Yeah, you, you should definitely try it out. I mean, it's based on the D100 basic role playing engine that basically Chaosm uses as its house rule. So, I believe it first came to like in RingQuest, then became BRP, and then you got like, you know, Call of Cthulhu and Ringworld and all those other games. And I think it actually works really well in Call of Cthulhu. In fact, it's possibly the best version with maybe Pendragon challenging it for that title. And it does a really good job at um, being thematically uh, engrossing. So you've got that slow erosion of your sanity as you learn more about the mythos. And, you know, you're going to be able to create some really epic stories and possibly get involved in world-shattering events. Now, of course, the downside to Call of Cthulhu is it doesn't follow your typical hero's journey. You know, you're not building your more and more powerful avatar who's going to do great things. Instead, you start off as basically a normal, decent person and slowly descend into madness and hope you survive or preferably go unnoticed by the things you've started to uncover. Um, and so that can be a bit of a, a culture shock to people. Now, the settings is also the other problem, as I say. 1920s, um, it's close enough that it's not really jarring. It's got some modern sensibilities, but it's also got the advantage of being far enough away that it's a bit other. Uh, it also does have some problematic elements, but it really works well because there's no mobile phones, computers, fast travel's basically non-existent. Um, there's not loads of papers online, so you can just stay in your office and research stuff. No, no, you've got to actually get out there into the wilds, deal with the different cultures, do backbreaking research and yomp all around the place to face down whatever problems there are. And lots of bits of the map are, you know, a little bit terra incognito. So that works really well. Whereas for modern games, you've got a different challenge, but I, I guess it could potentially be more terrifying because it's set in the here and now and you could believe all oh, this weird thing conspiracy theory um you know maybe it's magic and aliens and all that sort of stuff so i am very torn um but as an aside it doesn't matter which era you're in i i think a campaign works best if you start off fairly mundane let the strangeness build slowly a lot of the issues should be human driven and just sprinkling the little bit of the mythos a bit of alien threat a bit of magic just a bit of things aren't quite normal and then sort of as your campaign arc evolves then you start to realize that some of those early adventures although it appeared on the surface to be mundane actually it was the the mythos in the background pulling the strings all along um i mean obviously for a one shot you you know you might want to hit them with cthulhu bursting out the lake in scene two of your three scene adventure but yeah for for a campaign i start small and build to something big in my opinion so yeah, that's what I think made Call of Cthulhu really endure. It was a totally different take to RPGs compared to your D&D fantasy muscle-bound hero sort of uh, genre. And it was really remarkable back in the 80s, totally different. Now, of course, one of the downsides is lots of games have come out since. Its uniqueness is not quite so stark. But the fact that it's endured for so long, even in the face of these new games, shows that it's got so much right that... You know, only slight tweaks are needed to, to give it a nice fresh look and feel. And I must admit, I do wonder how many of today's games actually wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Call of Cthulhu pioneering the way back in the day. 
So in conclusion, if, if it's not obvious, I, I highly recommend you get to play or run or even own Call of Cthulhu. It's absolutely fantastic, particularly when it's all working and singing and dancing and players and the, the module and the referee are all on the same page. You know, you're, you're going to love it. And in fact, I've probably never had a really disappointing session. I can think of one session where I was a bit like, oh, I wish I'd done that a bit differently when I ran it. But, you know, that's years of play and there's maybe one incident where I'm like, oh yeah, that didn't really go quite so well. I, I should have thought slightly more laterally on that. Now, the other uh, product that is 40 years old is actually related to Games Workshop. Now, I can't remember. I think Games Workshop might have even opened its first uh, store in 1981 in Hammersmith, but uh, I wouldn't quote me on that. But the fighting fantasy product, which Steve Jackson in, in Livingston produced, is 40 years old this year. So Warlock of Far Mountain, great product, really enjoyed it. And I dabbled with uh, the books over the years, and uh, some I've preferred more than others. And um, yeah, they're great little fun products. And I think they're particularly useful, ironically, today um, for people who might have scheduling issues. And of course, the other great thing they did is they actually got kids to engage with books. Now, there was a big problem where people didn't like reading books, but you know, these these gaming books uh, got people into reading. And um, yeah, there was some really good stuff on uh, the Grognall files where uh, Dirk and and I think he might have even interviewed Ian Liverston, uh, were talking about the game books and, and what they did and didn't do. And also, um, I remember there being something along the lines of, because it wasn't very clear how to run a role-playing game, the great thing about these uh, fighting fantasy booklets was they actually sort of almost were, you are taking part in a game with a really good quality ref who knows what they're doing and are describing the scenes. And of course, it also had some pretty cool artwork as well, which uh, helps. So anyway, yeah, um, definitely check them out. I believe both Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston are releasing a book to celebrate the 40th anniversary. And there's also going to be a fighting fantasy sort of game con, I believe. Um, so I haven't actually got involved in that, um, but that's something I, I might have a look at. But yeah. Amazing to think that they're 40 years old, those now. And of course, in America, you had um, Choose Your Own Adventure and Tunnels and Trolls. Um, so there's plenty of options out there for a bit of solo adventuring, uh, if you so desire. So anyway, um, moving on to other role-playing game stuff. Um, I've got a lot of online and com-based games to talk about. So depending on when you're listening to this, uh, be it on Patreon, where you'll get early access, uh, listen to it online sort of fairly soon after it goes public release, or even if you're in the far distant future, some of what I'm about to talk about has just happened, is about to happen, a couple of months off or happened ages ago, so enjoy unravelling all that. So uh, let's take conventions, uh, in particular online ones. Uh, we've got OpenQuest, uh, sort of happening really soon, uh, 2D20 Con, which has started and is continuing, and Free Leagueathon. Um, now these are all online cons and um, of course there are also uh, a lot of face-to-face -face conventions also kicking off, um, particularly as Covid is 
slightly pushing into the background at the moment, although it is still out there, so please be cautious. So um, I've actually offered myself for three of these conventions. Uh, the first one uh, that I offered myself for was the Free Leagueathon, organised by Jim. And I'm going to be trying to run a game you might not instantly think of a free league, and that's Death in Space, the 2D, uh, sorry, the D20 sci-fi game uh, that I did a YouTube video on. Uh, it's basically end of the universe, sort of grim sci-fi. So that that should be good fun. Uh, I'm also taking part in Albert. Uh, now that's a face-to-face -face and online convention, so I'm doing the virtual side of that, uh, and I'm going to be running a hacked version of Toon, uh, where all the players are orcs in the 40k universe, and then later in the year I'm going to Grogmeet Manchester, uh, actually my f first face-to-face -face conference for many a year, and uh, I'm currently thinking of maybe offering three games, so um, Inquisitor Sanction went down really well at Virtual Grog Meet, so I'm thinking of offering a new scenario um, for that. So that's going to be part two of my desanction hack. Uh, I'm also going to do a sort of Shab Alhiri Roach inspired game. Um, it's a sort of card driven, GMless um, narrative role playing game. And uh, it basically sees a totally unique uh, idea of humans trying to get to Earth whilst being chased by killer cyborgs. And worst of all, some of the people who you think are your friends are secretly cyborg agents. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, and then finally, the other option, I'm thinking of running my D6 fantasy game known as Greymass, which is a sort of speculative game of what D&D could have been in 1973 if it had taken a different fork in the road. So uh, I'm going to run my players through a little fun introductory scenario that I've actually designed as a sort of a springboard into a West March style campaign. So it's a nice little tight focused adventure where you get introduced to an area where you can then go and explore. And obviously if you're running it as a campaign, um, that, as I say, it'd be your gateway to adventure. So, as I say, really, really looking forward to all of these. And uh, what's going to be great is to gather feedback from mostly veteran British role players, actually. So, uh, hopefully, they're not too cruel to me. Now, I do also have a whole load of other games uh, shortlisted that I'd like to try, in particular, sort of homebrew ones. But I think they're going to have to wait till next year. Uh, I also need to focus, uh, and I'm using the conventions to help focus writing um, stuff up so it's actually playable rather by potentially others rather than just me. So in regard to playing games, uh, what am I playing rather than running? Well, I've had a really good session just the other day of Blade Runner as part of the Free Leagueathon. And uh, I believe we're going to have a follow-up session just to finish off that adventure. It's looking like another hit from Free League for me. It looks amazing, it runs well, it gets the theme, and the adventure is really good. Although it has highlighted a little bit of a, a threat for wannabe adventure writers that you might have to put a bit of effort into getting your module uh, ready to run. So that could be a bit of a challenge. be interesting to see how that works. And also... How well suited to a campaign is it going to be? Is it going to be more like Alien where you do a little mini campaign of two or three sessions and you're done and then you move on to a, a whole new sort of uh, story arc? Now, um, the other game I'm looking forward to is actually part of the 2D20 uh, con that's sort of starting to come to an end now. And um, 
the game I'm really keen to try is Dune. It's one I don't own and haven't played. Uh, I love Dune, but I'm not a massive fan of 2D20. Now, it's not a bad system, don't get me wrong. Um, I did quite a few videos on Star Trek Adventures. You know, the books are lush, they look really good. Uh, you can create some really interesting characters. All I will say is it, it plays a lot better than it reads. Um, so I think maybe a tweak to the rule books in the future might be useful. The, the big problem for it is, as a table reference document, it doesn't work if you're trying to remember a rule. And there's a, a couple of moving parts which are easy to forget. But to be honest, uh, some people have tried it online and they said it works really well with a virtual tabletop. And I think it's a game that I like, I'm happy to have, but I don't necessarily love it. Um, but, you know, June could change my, my tune on that. Um, they've done a pretty good job with Star Trek Adventures, so it's going to be interesting to see what that one uh, pans out as. Uh, so what else have we got? Uh, yes, uh, obviously the free Leagueathon. Uh, hoping to take part in a few games of that. Uh, and then later on, obviously, we've got Owlbear. Uh, now, because I'm running a game, uh, it's going to be a bit tricky for me to pick up some of the games I'm, I'm interested in. Uh, but um, I'm hoping part two of uh, the Dragon Warrior game I took part in at Virtual Grog Meet might continue at Virtual Owlbear. And uh, it's a bit hard to know exactly what's going on. They've teased the initial release. It looks really good. I'm sure you'll find something you can enjoy playing at Virtual Owlbear. So check that out. Um, obviously, I'm going to be playing games at Grog Meet, but that's quite a way away uh, at the moment, November time. Uh, but in the meantime, I've got my regular Tuesday night gang. We sort of meet every two weeks. And I've had some really good games of Liminal and just recently Vason. We've also played some other great games. Um, Corollas, for example, was really good fun. And we played that over a couple of sessions. I got uh, the gang to try out my desanction hack, the Inquisitor sanction. And um, yeah, Vason really did impress me, actually. Uh, very good module. Um, the rules work really well. And I can see why Free League are doing well. That Mutant Year Zero engine, it's not it's not perfect, but it, it's pretty damn good. Um, so really looking forward to that. And lo lots of other games have sort of been talked about. Uh, I think I've pitched an idea to try some of my games, but also uh, one of the group owns Into the Odd. I'm like, oh, we should really try that out. That's, that's going to be a fun game. So we'll see how that goes. So lots of potential stuff on the run-up to December. Plenty of games, not enough time to play them. So that, as I mentioned previously, has impacted my other gaming. So on the computer gaming front, um, I've got a very close eye on my mailbox. Um, the Steam Deck pre-orders are accelerating, and um, the Deck has proved to be a really good handhold system. Um, it, it shows to people who are not aware just how good Linux is at running games. The big problem being anti-cheat systems, uh, but also it's a really good powerhouse for handheld emulation. So um, yeah, I'm really keen to see how the deck evolves and no doubt at some stage in the future they'll bring out a version 2 with a new APU from AMD that's smaller and cheaper and lasts longer and all that sort of stuff and more powerful. Now as part of retro gaming and emulation whilst i'm really keen to see how the deck does on that obviously i'm a big fan of the fpga solution mister and um 
that's probably going to be my main form of computer gaming for a bit. So going through the back catalogue of 8 and 16-bit stuff. Uh, I'm hoping to try out the Amiga a bit more. I haven't really done enough with that. And I'm really keen to try out the PS1 core. I've downloaded it all. I just haven't had the time yet to you know, get it up and running beyond just booting it to check it works. So got a couple of games want to try, see how well supported they are by the Mister. But that's just amazing to think you can get a PS1 running on this relatively cheap device um has become a bit more expensive and obviously if you get a fancy setup that that does cost you a fair bit of money but compared to buying a classic NES Neo Geo PS1 and all that yeah it's hard to go wrong with the mister uh the PC upgrade uh that's definitely looking like a 2023 project similarly new Xbox or PS you know, five, that's going to almost certainly be pushed back into 2023 and hopefully availability and costs will continue to improve. It's very hard to justify both the time and the expense on that when I've barely got time to do stuff. Um, and RPG is really, really dominating. So computer gaming and board gaming is definitely on the down low, but I'm hoping to beef up my board gaming. Um, whilst it's in a bit of stasis at the moment, uh, I'm really keen to cranking again uh, in particular with clank legacy a game we were really enjoying until 2020 arrived and for obvious reasons ground to a halt uh, but also the other reason i'm keen to get board gaming going is uh, I, I got a large collection that i need to start thinning down so i want to get stuff out of storage off the shelf uh, play it clear space for incoming kickstarters um, decide what games to keep what games to get rid of claw back some of my investment uh, and in particular for example I, I received massive darkness 2 quite a while back now and i just literally had to put it in a box and put it in storage i just have not had time to to look at it and i'm a bit worried because i have heard of some shipping problems so i'm gonna have to have a look at that and see what i can sort out there and it's becoming a bit more urgent now that i need to to get going on the board gaming side to if nothing else just sell off stuff so they can be loved by other people is pointless having a board game just sat on a shelf gathering dust so at some stage hopefully i'll get my board gaming gang back together and we can get some face-to-face going but diaries bit of a nightmare um, now on the board gaming front uh, i'm also keen to get eclipse back to the table now i've been involved in the eclipse uh, version 1.5 upgrade which takes elements of second dawn and sort of back ports them to your first edition uh, i i think there's enough stuff out there that you could just make your version 1.5 perfectly playable a couple of people saying oh you know what you're doing about updating this well, as far as I'm aware, there's not much to update. There might be some typos, might be some color correction. So what I'm doing is I'm going through the stuff I've been able to gather together to update my version 1.5 um, so I can actually get it to the table, try it out, and if necessary, maybe Christmas time, uh, might be able to update the um, release. So unfortunately, it's on the down low. It's sort of low down on my priority list. I've got other things, partly because what's out there already yeah, you need to put a bit of effort into collating it all. But it's all out there, good to go, so it's not an urgent fix. So apologies for the delay, and big thanks to all the fans who've supported and encouraged us uh, over the years on that one. Now, I think we should start thinking about wrapping up this, so uh, I want to point you in the direction of some of the 
more creative stuff I'm doing. So first of all, there's a collaborative adventure that I was part of. Uh, it's a free download on DriveThruRPG, so I'll post a link to The House of the Exorcist. Uh, go check that out. I'm also involved in another collaborative venture, which is getting close to release. Um, I have to give you more details when I have them. Um, there's some big plans. Even things like Kickstarter have been mentioned. Uh, we'll see what actually ends up happening. But I think that's going to be a paid-for release um, because um, I did actually get a small amount of money for my efforts on that front. Um, but lots of exciting developments there, which I can't really talk about. And uh, obviously, in line with my current focus about RPGs, a lot of my creative energy has gone into writing rule sets. Now, a lot of them are IP-adjacent, so probably won't be released um or not released officially anyway. Uh, but I am looking to get stuff up on DriveThruRPG. So I've got a few rules that I think, you know, are good enough and close enough to being releasable. Um, but, you know, if I just put a bit of a time aside to get those, hopefully sometime this year, I'll be able to get stuff on DriveThruRPG. And if they sell well enough, I apparently could offer them as a print-on-demand, um, which is... A slight frustration. I've come to learn by following, uh, for example, Viral. Apparently there's a trigger point where once you've sold enough copies, you can then offer your product as a print-on-demand, which I find a bit frustrating that you can't just list it straight away, but it is what it is. Now, all this talk about, all oh, trying to get a bit more commercial with some of my gaming, does make me worry because apparently I'm terrible at marketing myself, it seems. Uh, so I'm now going to pimp myself here. So uh, please visit my Patreon or my Ko-Fi and, you know, support me, please. Or at least consider it. And if you hop onto YouTube, onto my various channels I've got, subscribe and like them. It really helps uh, in particular because when Google changed its sort of YouTube policies, it, it demonetized my channel and that really torpedoed um, the amount of views I get and also I seem to have dropped off the search engine. So everything you can do to boost the signal would be really well appreciated. Anyway, enough of that. Enough waffling. So until the next one, happy gaming. <laughs>